Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. I heard a statistic that there are like 10 times the number of submissive men as there are dominant women. I don't know if that's totally true, but I know there's a lot of submissive men trying to get what seems like a few dominant women. The femdom's inbox is often like flooded with emails and the submissive persons could be like totally empty. The secret to connecting with a partner you want, I think, is really understanding the other person's perspective and experience. So today we're going to talk with Sam and Chris about their femdom relationship, as well as what works, what's annoying, what things are accidentally demeaning, and how you can find your femdom partner. I also want to add that while we're going to focus on submissive men and female femdoms that we're really going to be covering really applies to almost everybody, no matter what your gender is, your orientation, or your identity. And I think that the point of this discussion is going to be about learning to see and think from the other person's perspective so that you can interact and approach them in a better, wiser way that works. So this episode is really for everybody, but we are going to kind of focus in on the subgroup of submissive men and female femdoms, just as a good example for the discussion. I'm your host, Stephen, and joining me today are my wife, Kimberly. Hello. And Sam. Howdy, howdy. And Chris. What's up, y'all? <laughs> um, sorry. Sam, how do you say your, your fat life name? Varsler? Yes. I okay. decided to go for the, like the most random thing and that it's a species of bird that I really like. Oh. I mean, it beats having, you know, femdom one, two, three, four, some random thing <laughs> like that. So. so everybody, Sam goes by Varsler on fat life. They identify as non-binary femdom who is chill with any of the pronouns. Sam went to their first dungeon in 2008, but found their home at 1763, which is the club in Atlanta. And that was in 2018. Their favorite form of community service is DMing, which is dungeon monitoring or safety monitoring for the venue. And they've been doing this since 2019 for both 1763 and Whippersnappers. They're on the Whippersnappers board. Whippersnappers is the 39 and under the next generation group. And they recently joined Fla the Flare Board, which is the female-led authority-inspired relationship. Then you have Chris. Chris goes by Kinky Vagabond on Fat Life. I feel like I'm doing a game show here. Chris is in his mid-30s, and he's a, a switch who leans sub and says that he's a very long list of kinks. He's been part of the of several kink communities between Atlanta, Orlando, Birmingham, and Nashville, and has interest in been interested in kink since dial-up internet. His first time going into a dungeon was in the mid-2000s, and that was at 1763 in Atlanta. He also attends kink conventions and classes, and he continues learning. And just so everybody knows, I met Sam and Chris at The Mark, which is Nashville's kinky community center. And uh, we chatted for a bit, and just kind of randomly, we just kind of met and were chatting for a bit. And then I got to watch them play, and I really liked them both. And so afterwards, I kind of <laughs> semi-awkwardly walked up and said, hey, would you guys maybe possibly be interested in like helping me with this podcast thing that we do? And then they said, uh, yeah, they, you know, and I said, I think you guys would just be really perfect. You know, after just meeting you, I think you guys would be perfect for this episode that I'm working on. And Sam and Chris agreed and we talked a little bit more and they are here. And so thank you both for joining me. Happy to be here. 
thank you for the invite. Okay, so before we get into like our main discussion, Kimberly, I know there's been some stuff going on with you. <laughs> um, sure. So I haven't met Sam and Chris before because I wasn't at the party um, at the play space since I have a new puppy and she makes me really tired. Her name is Cora and you can see pictures of her on our Instagram every now and again. Uh, ethical seduction. Is that it? You've been telling everybody it, everything about the puppy, and then that was. The I know, but I just ever. like, do people really want to hear me go on and on on this podcast about the puppy? But she's adorable, so cute, and she's 13 weeks old now. So, mm. and she, and she bites everything. Oh my god, she's doing pretty well on potty training. I will say that mm -hmm. that's that's really nice. But the biting is mm -hmm. like, ah. Uh, Crazy, crazy. You you have to just keep her running around and worn out, which is why Kimberly goes to bed at eight o'clock. <laughs> so, um, and okay, and then Kimberly, what about you? Want to talk about what we did this weekend with Ava? Oh sure. Oh yeah, we went. Uh, me, Ava, Steve, and Ava's partner went to the Pagan Unity Festival, and so that was fun and a good experience. And it was my first pagan thing to kind of go to and same thing with Ava's partner. So we were like the, uh, awkward people there because like, we just didn't know much of what it was ever. And then no. Ava and Kimberly <laughs> were like, were like, well, you guys just know. hang out. Yeah. And we'll, we'll show you the ways of things. So yeah. <laughs> you didn't know what to expect at all. So no, I had, yeah, no, I had no idea. I did a lot of people watching and, and it was, it was interesting. It was like, cool. So, mm -hmm. and it was all day event. And then after that we went, I'll say we went, out to dinner the four of us and then we'll be brainstormed on like future parties for the mark and so mm. look out time travel that's what we're going to propose <laughs> anyway so let's let's get into our, our main topic finding finding a femdom uh this started where i got an email from um, somebody named danny and i'm just going to go ahead and, and read through danny's email so danny is identifies as a submissive male he says um, a huge part that I struggle with is basically how to find and ask someone to be a play partner. I'm always worried that I come across as a creep because I know women get a lot of messages from guys and I always feel like I'd be a bother. I feel that in my vanilla life too. I've always had trouble finding romantic partners and I think my self-esteem is one part of that. I find that at the mark, most the kinky community center, most people are already paired up and pick Pickup play doesn't seem to be something that many people are comfortable with, and I've heard it's looked down on for partners and munches, so that's kind of leaves fet life messages, and it doesn't feel as personal, and I'd probably get lost in a crowd of people bothering women to be partners. I found a few play partners through the Discord group, but they both ghosted me, one of them without even playing with me, and that makes me wonder if I'm doing something wrong, because they don't tell me, and and they don't tell me that they feel uncomfortable or have changed their minds, but instead just stop responding out of the blue. And I try to go out of my way to let women know they don't owe me anything so that they feel safe because I think it's actually safety and the feeling of safety that are very important, especially since I'm a guy. So I'm always wondering if it's my body that they're not attracted to or, or something. Plus, I wonder how to act when I inevitably see them around in the near future. 
So Danny's email is what kind of, I, I have written him back a little bit and we've talked some about this, but Danny's email was like, okay, this would be a really, this is a common, I think, topic question that we get. And so I thought this will be, this will be really good to do as a show. So um, Sam, uh, before we respond to Danny's question um, and his experience, can you tell us a little bit about your own experience as a femdom, what it's like and some of the hardships that you have to deal with? Sure. So first, for a bit of perspective, I am around mid-30s, and my inbox is actually not horribly flooded at the moment. Um, so to take it back a little bit, when I first joined FET, which would have been like mid-20s, somewhere around there, I was flooded constantly with people that were sending me messages, everything from ones that had plainly read my profile and were, you know, nice, to ones that were just plainly someone asking for just whatever random thing they wanted or your basic form letter thing where so you could tell someone was just playing the law of averages, hoping to send it out to every woman in the community, trying to just see which one bit. It was not fun. It was pretty dehumanizing. And that's part of the reason why I started tweaking my profile a little bit in order to minimize this because my preference was always for meeting people in person anyway. You get a better feel for the person. And also, it's, you can't catfish someone when you meet them face to face. Um, and so uh, being over, eventually being over 30, the amount of random solicitations I get dropped severely. Um, so take from that what you will. Um, it is definitely worth noting that they're are some people that are going to get more messages than others. So if you are under the age of 30, especially, and you're wanting to reach someone in your age group, just understand they're going to be getting like a lot. Um, and again, some of us purposely try not to, um, but still may not be very responsive to it. So as far as a lot of the hardships and what I deal with being a femdom, it's the ones that I encounter the most are people not knowing how to talk to me or people are first is people not knowing how to talk to me. Second is people talking to me in the way that they think that I want to, which ends up doing both themselves and me a disservice. And the third is people that just want to use me like so that they can nut. And that's no fun um, because I am someone that's more interested in relationships or if I end up having someone that's, you know, a casual play partner, I still want it to be someone that's going to be a decent human being that's going to see me as a person and is going to be respectful of my boundaries. Uh, and I also want it to be someone that is going to be getting something out of it, too. And so if it's someone that, for example, says that they like Dragon Tales just because they know that I like it, because they actually want to be able to get something else for me in the future... It's no fun for me to realize that they've been, you know, lying about their interests. And it also doesn't exactly instill a really good sense of safety about the person. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a lot of what I've ended up encountering. Um, yeah, that being said, I've also met lots of, you know, really cool people. And I do find that a lot of my most positive interactions in the kink community come from people that I meet in person to the point where I don't really respond to much of any messages that are sent through FetLife, unless it's someone I already know. So Sam, um, kind of on the other side of things with these messages, do people also um, 
message you just expecting that they're you're going to do certain specific things to them that they're into that you're like what I'm not even into that because I find on the flip side of that being a bottom that that happens to me is you know um, oh all the time side like it's pretty common for people to shoot you a message and it's pretty plain that it's the same thing that they send to everyone so it'll be things like hello ma'am are you interested in a sub or slave it's like my profile doesn't say i'm interested in either of those right. and also why are you calling me ma'am so i don't i'm I not don't know your... you. Mm -hmm. um and also if you did know me you would know i really don't like being called ma'am um so it's pretty common like that too. yeah i mean it's pretty common that people will just and again it's it's a lot of the times people using form letters or a law of averages which i don't know if you guys have covered right. it before but it's basically like the mindset of send out the same basic thing with a minimal amount of effort in the hopes of getting something just because you've put so much into the universe, right? And the thing is, mm -hmm. a lot of us are wise to this, especially if we've been around a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and when we get something like that, it doesn't exactly endear you to us um, because it says to me right off the bat that you sent this to everyone. Why me you just basically see me as like a walking vagina or a fetish disposary or dispensary ah, there we go um so yeah you do get that a lot um so yeah so i let me uh, this is related um there was somebody who recently you know was asking me sort of like hey can you help me find somebody um this is a di totally different person but they were like you know i really want to be i'm trying to remember what they said like you know used and abused the you know the femdom could do anything that they wanted to me what is your response to that because i was trying to go back and say like i don't think you really want to say that i don't think that's going to be very appealing what but what are your what are your thoughts and and why would that i try to explain why this would not be appealing and i think the person maybe maybe i didn't explain it very well but why is that not like that seems like a really generous offer you could do whatever you want to me why why what's your view because usually that shows that the person, one, doesn't know to self-advocate, and two, it may be showing their inexperience. Because I remember one of the femdoms I know having mentioned getting messages like that. She's just like, always just want to respond back. It's like, fine, I can do whatever I want. Let me cut off your nuts and put them on my mantle. She's like, you don't want to tell people that you can do whatever you want because you really don't. It's like, you need to give me what your actual limits are if you're going to be having that conversation. Um, and I'll take it a step further and I'll say a good initial conversation is also not to say, use me and abuse you how you want, because you don't know that's what the other individual actually wants. Mm -hmm. That's not what I want in the relationship. And it may be that that is what the individual does want that you're talking to or what the Dom wants that you're talking to. But you don't want to set the stage with the presumption that you know what it is that they want. It's much better to chat with them first and to find out, is this someone that, you know, just wants me to go along with everything they want or do they have like some other sort of needs? Yeah. With the use and abuse, I feel like you don't know what that person's definition or perspective is on use and abuse and they're like, what they consider use and abuse may be way beyond your actual limit. Exactly. And for the perspective of keeping yourself safe, it's you mm -hmm. haven't really set a very good stage for having stated like your boundaries. You've put yourself out there in a way that leaves yourself very vulnerable. And 
again, I mean, I would just be like so reluctant to encourage like any sub to say that to anyone because you got to take care of yourself too. Um, so it makes a lot more sense that, you know, if you're into humiliation or, you know, some particular type of degradation, you know, when you're having that conversation, you can say that's what you like, but it helps to be specific because otherwise you don't want to give someone to take more leeway with you than what you're truly going to be comfortable with. It's not safe for you. And also it's not really setting a good precedent for the relationship because you're giving someone a much wider moat of things they can do to you and what you might actually be comfortable with. And that might lead to great disappointment or discomfort for one or both of you in the future. You know, from my experience, um, and I'm going to say my experience is from helping to host like our welcome orientations and interacting with, with new people that very often, and this, I was the same way myself when I first kind of came into the community. Um, we have a thing we say like, oh, that person might be as in frenzy you know, at the very beginning. Cause she was like, you've have all these thoughts and ideas and things you want to try and you're excited and you come out and then it's like, you know, you not want to say you don't think straight, but you like want to jump in there with everything. Right. And that, that's what frenzy is. I think a lot of times, and I think this person here, and like I said, I think I've gone through this myself when you don't have an outlet, when you don't have the partner and you have things you want to try, but you don't have the ability to do it yet. You haven't met the, the people to do it. There's a, a kind of build up. It's, and it's, is sort of frustration, but I think then you sit there and you say like, well, and I think just what this person means is like, I'm willing to do whatever, you know, and that's not necessarily a realistic thought. And I don't think they really mean that. I think what they mean is like, I really want to find a person so I can have some of these things met, some of these experiences. And therefore I would be flexible just to kind of meet, you know, be able to interact and play with some other people. Um, yeah. Cause if you're interested in exploring different kinks or if there are ones that you're willing to try if your dominant is okay with them even if they're outside of what you you know list on your fet profile as being your fetishes a better way of putting it would be saying i am amenable to hearing about your particular fetishes and interests and seeing if those are ones that i might be comfortable in exploring as a submissive that's a much fairer way of saying it and it creates it gives yourself leeway to be able to back out of something if it's outside of your boundaries while also showing that you are someone that is willing to try new things and things that the other individual might be into that might be, you know, a little bit of a push for you or outside of something that you've done before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then it's like demonstrating some like flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, for you, like we come, were joking earlier saying like, Chris, you're like the success story. Like, how did you do this? But you know, what has, what kind of things have worked for you and what experiences have you had and what are your thoughts? So not going out with like a singular goal. Don't every time you go out and if you're, if your only goal is to just look for a person as far as like you Mentally, you almost make them an object. You make this this goal that you're trying to go after. You're like everybody, you know, wants some sort of relationship. They want to be able to talk to people um, and everything else. They want this idea that they create in their head. But what's going to get you more success is just making connections in general, making friends. And I know the more introverted people are or the more um, uh, self um, – uh, losing the word um, – if they're like more reserved, they're not as outgoing or whatnot, it's a little bit harder uh, to just, you know, go out there. But that's really what it takes. It takes going to either events 
Uh, there's discords out there. There are munches. FitLife, one of its greatest resource tools is just looking for munches and ways of meeting people. Uh, and that's what it is, is you're selling yourself. You got to make sure like, you know, you're a decent human being. Um, and make sure you're like, you know, get your stuff together, your interests together and everything else. But search for people. Don't just search for the, like this object of, oh, I've got to have a femdom and everything else. Because if you're constantly just searching for that, you're probably missing some of the best ways of meeting people in general. And somebody may have a best friend that is absolutely perfect for you. But, you know, if that's a guy that's sitting there and that's their best friend, that it's going to be perfect for you. But you never took the time to just meet people and have conversations um, out there. You never, you know, you could have missed out on the best thing because you spend all your time so goal oriented that you didn't take any time to meet people in the community. And just people in the community, as far as networking and making friends, will be one of your best resources to be able to have successful relationships. And I think that goes for more than just kink, um, especially femdom in general, because it can be so hard to meet people. And like Sam was saying earlier, um, online is terrible. Like people are getting so many messages a lot of times. You're not going to be uh, sending out anything unique. If you're trying to sit there and convey to somebody um, what Danny was saying, there's a lot of things that we could actually unpack in what he said as far as different things to uh, change. Uh, one of the things he said, he, he was trying to let somebody know that um, he respects them and he's safe and all that. And writing all that out is probably not going to actually send the best message. You do that by showing somebody, by like showing them, uh, like seeing them in person at events, um, respecting their boundaries, talking to them like a human being, reading their profile, understanding their interests. Don't fake things just to, uh, you know, get closer to them. If they're not into, if they're not into something you're into or vice versa, don't sit there and say, Oh yeah, I love whips, you know, just to be able to go out on a date or just to be able to talk to them again or something like that. If you're, you're wasting your time and their time and all it's going to do is bring your self-esteem down more and more when you're trying things that aren't going to work. And it's also worth noting another benefit of actually getting to meet other people or people that you might not get with is that, we talk to each other, like, especially in the case of, you know, someone that I might want to do private play with, which a lot of femdom play actually works better in a private setting. But I'm not going to go to your house unless I know that you're someone that's not going to murder me. And so if you've made friends with someone that I know, and I see that you're fed friends with someone I know, before I hang out with you, I'm going to end up shooting messages to mutual friends to make sure that you're someone that's safe. And so if they shoot me a message and they say, oh, my goodness, I've met this guy and he's really great, then, you know, you're a lot more likely to actually get to have a scene with me. And because you put forth the effort to show that, you know, you're a decent person. So it's still beneficial to meet people that you would not want to date just because you might end up having mutual friends and mutual friends are very valuable for vetting purposes as well as people that can make introductions for you. Sam, I saw, I happened to see Danny on Friday and we were like just chatting a little bit or whatever. And, um, 
I said, yeah. And we were talking about his email things. And I said, yeah, I think what happened and he was actually doing, I was really proud. He was at, he was out socializing and he was like in a group of people, you know, and it was like, so he's not even by himself. He was like connecting with people. So I was really happy and proud. I was thinking like, that's the right way to do it. But what we were talking about, as I said, like, I think what you're going to find is like, it's like, you don't have any people, you don't have any people, you don't have any people. And then all of a sudden there's that tipping point. And then all of a sudden now you have five people that are interested in playing with you because like you're saying, you all, everybody talks to each other and like, it's like building their reputation. And I think like Chris is like, yeah, just go out there and don't have the goal, but just go socialize, you know, and that's, you're, you're kind of, then people are getting to know you a little bit and you're, um, in the back sort of creating a, yeah, you're creating a reputation and you don't necessarily really think about it that way. And I wouldn't say, don't worry about like, Oh, I have to go get a good reputation. But I think it's like, it does you all of a sudden you get to a tipping point and people know you and your reputation as being a nice, kind, safe person. All of a sudden you have multiple people. So where before it's like, Oh, there's 10 submissive men for one dominant woman. Well, it's like all of a sudden you can tip those scales and be on the other side. Yeah. And you don't get a reputation for being decent by going around saying, hi, I'm decent. You get it by treating people decently. That's what's going to be a lot more lasting and what is actually going to be effective whenever we're trying to vet you. Let, let me ask another question related to that, though. Okay. Chris, I thought of this when you were, we were talking. Okay. So what if though, like I am very, very awkward and I don't take the best care of myself and I realize like I am, I have flaws. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm awkward and I'm not the best catch, but I still would like to find somebody. And so I'm working at this thing, but it's hard. What advice? It doesn't take much to just be a good human being. Um, and there are so many people in the world that somebody's going to have the same interests as you. Um, and you don't have to match all of your interests. There's lots of things, Sam and I, like that we don't perfectly share our interest in. Um, but we have enough to have a really good relationship. Um, and so that's one of the things is finding commonalities on shared interests. Like you don't have to be the best looking, you don't have to be the fittest person. You don't have to have all these other things just to be a good human being, to learn how to treat somebody with respect. That right off the bat, when talking with somebody, will go further. And it doesn't matter what type of person you are, you will still get more success in person. And that's part of with the, uh, the networking thing and with the friends. Um, that's one of the, where it's going to be even more important is if you're awkward or something like that, or if you're unsure about yourself, or if you, you know, you don't think you look good or anything like that is getting that goal of that end goal out of your head and just meeting friends. That's just making general friends, whether they're guys, girls, however they identify, that's going to do more for your self-confidence than just constantly saying, oh, well, I want this person that I have trumped up in my mind uh, because I've you know, been watching porn and this is the thing I'm looking for and everything else. The likelihood of you just going out constantly looking for that thing and finding it is slim to none. It's, it's almost never going to happen. But finding somebody that you connect with through friends and everything else is going to get you much farther. And once people see, you know, you're a decent human being, you're trustworthy, you've got these other great qualities about you, people will see past whatever you think is so bad about yourself and see these good redeeming qualities that you have and that you have to offer. And honestly, there's probably skills that you have or that you can develop that you haven't thought about or that you might not consider 
a selling point or that may be a selling point for some and not others. For example, just because you're not really good at giving foot massages doesn't mean that you can't cook. Um, for me, it's very valuable that Chris can cook. I love that he can cook for me. Um, you know, he can probably learn how to do pedicures and I would like that too. But at the same time, it's, <laughs> you know, there are skills that you have that make you a valuable partner. And so even if you feel insecure about certain aspects of yourself, don't sell yourself short. Realize what you're really good at. Continue being good at that and get even better at it and realize that that's something that you can use to market yourself in order to make you appealing to others and to have something that you can provide to your dominant as a service. I want to say that's really good advice, Sam, um, because I know people were probably listening up until this point going like, yeah, so you're saying be social and meet people, but I don't have the confidence to do that. And if that's what is key, like how am I going to gain that confidence? And I mean, just the advice on focusing on your strengths and like figuring out what those are and focusing on them is, I mean, I think really good um, advice. And it sounds like to me, Danny's struggling with that exact thing in what he said. I, I read a book one time, it was about getting a job, but they were like, you're going to have like these good traits about you, these good skills you have. And then there's going to be things that you could work on and need improvement. And they were like, don't worry about the stuff that needs improvement. Like what you're going to get really hired on and what people are really going to value about you are the, those, you know, three things that you do awesome. And I really kind of feel, you know, whether it is trying to get a job or whether it is like your personality, why do people like you? Um, I'm, I'm can be very annoying. Ask Kimberly. I have problems, you know, but there's a few things that I do. <laughs> which is one of them is put up with puppies and uh, you know, those few things sure. like, like gain and I can cook sometimes, you know? And so those things like, you know, it, that makes all the difference. So yeah, you do not need to be a perfect person. And I'm also going to put a plug out there for munches because munches, um, you know, that's, that's the kink scene. And it's like where people go out just to have to a regular restaurant and everybody dresses vanilla. It's very, I'm going to say it's very safe and things like that. Right. And it's just to socialize. We're not actually doing anything sexual just to socialize. But munches, everybody's really, really nice at a munch. And so if you're awkward or have a hard time or whatever, that's a great first place to go because you're going to be surrounded by people that are going to be very accepting. They're going to be often they're introverted and they're often a little, I don't know, quirky, I'm going to say too or whatever. So everybody's very understanding. So you do not need to be perfect. And if you go out and socialize at a munch, that's, that's probably going to be a big confidence booster because you know you do it a few times and it's like you've got some friends you've got people and that that makes a big difference in in pulling up that you know confidence self-esteem all that kind of stuff that goes with it yeah and munches aren't for dating like don't go expecting to find someone to date because you're going to be sadly disappointed and also people that come out to munches thinking that it's going to be easy pickings for finding someone to date or hook up with typically leave very disappointed but if you go hoping to make friends or to you know get more invested in the community by creating more connections, you're going to have a much happier experience. And not to mention, since it's a vanilla environment, it's a lot easier to find conversation topics than like say randomly going into a bar, show up at a munch wearing a t-shirt of your favorite TV show or your favorite band, and you're probably going to have an easy conversation starter right there with people. So, I mean, you have openings aside from kink if you're not interested in going right into a munch and instantly talking about your passionate love of enemas or something. You don't have to dive right into that. 
you can just show up wearing a Rick and Morty t-shirt and count on someone there is probably just going to be like, oh, hey, the new season's coming out. And there you go. You have someone to talk to for the next. Well, it depends on how long they can go on about the show. There are so many people that go on forever. <laughs> I would suggest not jumping right into your most private kinks with exactly, exactly. people you haven't met. But if you just go and say, okay, maybe I am introver- introverted and I need to build up my confidence. Well, if I just go and I just talk to only the people sitting next to me, then you have like made baby steps towards, you know, meeting more people and socializing and making those connections. And even just being there. Yeah. Even just being there. Like if you show up and you don't have the guts to talk to anyone, you've still made great strides for trying to be out there. And if you end up coming to like a BDSM club afterwards, People might recognize you and Mm -hmm. see that you're someone that sees the value in meeting people in spaces that aren't purely kink or sexual based. And for some of us, that means a lot. So it's, I would argue that they're still worth your time, even if you end up going and just being too shy or too anxious to say anything, you know, at least you got out there. Right. Hey, Chris and Sam, um, when we were talking at the club, when we first, first met, um, I don't know why this came up or something, but you, you all started telling me the story of how you all met. So, uh-huh. and, and, I, and that was, that was cool. You, do you mind sharing that? Cause I think that might be a good example for people of just, you know, it's just one way, but this is something. Chris should tell it. Okay, Chris. I'm curious to- about what he remembers. <laughs> it's not a test. Yeah, totally. It's not a test. <laughs> do, 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 do. No, um, I think I'd seen her a couple times at the club. Um, and I liked her style and I liked, she was doing impact and like the stuff she was using, like just her technique and there's a bunch of different things. I was like, Oh, like this is a cool person. They know what they're doing and everything. And you don't leap at somebody as soon as they finish a scene. You don't like, you know, wait till they walk out of the side room and they'd be standing there whenever they walk out. Cause they're like, they're still in top space, dom space, subspace, whatever the person you're going to talk to. Like, they're in their own head headspace and everything else. Like that's not the time to approach them. Uh, that may not even be the night to approach them. Um, and just, I don't know how many times I'd seen her. And like later on, we were in the uh, little concession room and we just popped in there and I was just like, Hey, by the way, like I really enjoyed your scene and everything else. I think I'd seen uh, some other scenes and everything else. And we just struck up a journal conversation and it was in a relaxed area. It was in the concession area. So it's almost like in like, you know, an informal munch at the club and everything else. It was just uh, getting to know the person. Like I never sat there and thought, Hey, this is my goal. I want to have a relationship with this person. I didn't know her. <laughs> she didn't know me. And it was just a polite general conversation to start with saying, Hey, these are some things I liked about what you did and going up and talking to somebody like a person and not as a goal makes a big difference in the way you talk to the person and it's going to make a big difference in the way they talk back to you they're not going to feel like an object they're not going to feel like an end goal because you talk to them as a person you showed interest in what they were good at and it just kind of went from there like i don't even like we were talking earlier it's like i don't even remember like much past the conversation but we ended up talking i think for a good while that night and yeah I don't remember what all we <laughs> ended up talking. I remember what it started as because 
I remember you showing appreciation for what I did. And to me, that always means a lot because, you know, while I like people complimenting whatever outfit I wear and stuff like that, you know, it does take work to actually learn what I do and to make sure to do it well and to create a good scene. And so for someone striking up a conversation about that, you know, it shows attentiveness to what I do and, you know, the work that it takes for me to actually do what I do. And so it's a, generally a very good conversation starter. And, you know, after that, we just kind of generally shot the shit about whatever. And it made for a very pleasant evening. So, yeah, and it just kind of took off from there. Um, and also, I remember something I always tell people when I meet them at the club, and I think it's a general good rule for anyone, is if you interact with someone and you have a positive interaction in a kink space, like at the Mark or 1763 or something, when you get their FET name and you want to be friends with them on FET Life or something like that, send them a message with what you talked about so that they can place you as a person and also know that you appreciated the conversation and interaction that they had as an individual and then send a friend request if they're okay with it because it's important to have that follow-up um, because it also helps build the relationship. And so if you want something to help continue things on and maybe chat online afterwards, that's how you're going to get me to chat with you on FetLife is you're going to meet me in person and then to follow the conversation over there. And so that's basically my best recommendation for uh, how you get those Fet friends or someone to chat with you like on Fet Life, or it at least works for me. I totally <laughs> agree, Sam. Um, actually, Steve and I, if um, anybody out there hasn't heard the story, met at its Banco party where we were matched up in this Banco game, names drawn out of a hat, basically, and he like had to spank me. <laughs> so, so I sent him a message the next day instead of just friend requesting and then him being like, wait, who is this person? There's no face on their profile, maybe, you know, um, which maybe there wasn't at that time. I was like, well, hey, so technically, since you spanked me last night, I thought I would just drop you an email and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And, you know, and now we're married, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think of it as like friendly aftercare, too. I mean, it's you haven't done a scene or anything like that, but you are showing that you want follow up to any um, interactions that you have had. And it just, again, it sets the stage for showing that as someone that you are invested in, aside from just the interactions that you have face to face, um, you know, just with scenes or, you know, standing in front of someone that you think is, you know, good looking, who you're ogling or some crap. Mm -hmm. it, when you do the follow-up, it, you know, shows that you want to continue with that connection outside of, you know, just whatever's at the club, assuming that's what you want. Again, a lot of my advice is based off of the notion that someone might want to have something ongoing. So that's my official disclaimer for anything that I said that I probably should have said at the beginning, but you want an ongoing thing it's going to require some amount of maintenance and this is a pretty easy but a pretty nice bit of maintenance to do is just send a follow-up email after you chat with them or after you've seen with them tops like aftercare too and tops like day after um, follow-up as well so once you get that first scene especially be sure to send them a message the next day to make sure that you know they've exited top space all right and to let them know that you had a good time and provide good feedback 
One thing I thought, I'm going to jump back a little bit, but this is related with Chris, where he's talking about, I'm going to say basically giving compliments, right? He sees you. And so he starts the conversation. I'm thinking listeners might be like, well, how do you start the conversation? Right? So Chris is like, well, I just complimented her. I like what, what Sam, I really like what you were doing. Um, and that reminded me that there's different types of compliments or different levels or different qualities of compliments. So Sam, you mentioned like people making comments about your outfit and you were like, Chris, got bonus points. You didn't say that, but that's what you meant. Chris got bonus points because he didn't say just, I like your outfit, which is more generic and more people say it, but he pointed out he likes certain things you did in the scene. So he's making it more personal. And one of my recommendations for complimenting people is to figure out like, in, like look inside yourself internally. Why do you think this person is cool? Like, what do you what's drawing them to you? Is it just the way they dress or is it like, what else do they do? You know, and find that thing that's more personal. And, and once you realize like what is actually why you're actually attracted to them, I think that's usually gives you a really good, not opening, but that's usually where the compliment is. I really like the way you did, you know, whatever. And it could just be a part of a scene or just, you know, but just paying attention to what you really like about this person making it more personal. I think that's a better compliment. And that can be a great way like Chris did to kind of, you know, be an opener to have a conversation. And then also Chris, like you're saying, you got to wait for the right time, you know? So you might know like, yes, I'm interested in talking to Sam. This isn't the right time. Darn. This is still not the right time. Darn. But eventually if you are going out, you know, to venues and you're kind of in the same circles, you'll, you, I think you'll find that opportunity. I found the opportunity with Kimberly. It just took it took a little while because I think Kimberly and I, is this right, Kimberly? We would pass each other and be like, hi, hi, you know, and it was like, that was it, you know, and it, we just yeah. didn't have the opportunity to talk until after the Spanko night. It comes off as more genuine instead of more generic when yeah. you find like what you were talking about, when you find more of the reason why you have that interest mm -hmm. and it's not just like, oh, you have nice shoes. <laughs> Although I yeah. like my shoes being complimented too, but you know, <laughs> right. once it's beyond oh, that, like I like too. other things too. Like you can compliment how I look, but also you, you got to give me something beyond that because it's, it's just not that special. And I know that that sounds kind of terrible because it is nice to be told that your outfit looks nice or that you look nice too. But if I want to have some sort of connection with someone or regular play with someone, I want to make sure that we connect on more than just a superficial level. Because if I wanted a hookup, I would go have a hookup. I want to have a sub who I can actually connect with as far as my interests. And especially if it's someone I'm going to have a relationship with, I want to make sure it's someone that I can actually sit and talk with. Because, yeah, you know, I might keep him gagged part of the time and then he can't say anything. But, you know, there's still going to be the days that I want to have someone to chat with during dinner and who can, you know, keep me company. And to do that, you have to have a connection. You have to be able to communicate. Yeah, and both of these are important. And don't stress so much trying to form yourself into the perfect whatever for the person you're talking to. If you're going to have a relationship, you need to be the real you. Even if the other person wants to help better you in certain areas, once you're in a relationship, that's infinitely different from you approaching the person and just trying to tell them everything you think they want to hear. That's not setting a truthful state 
or it's not a truthful setup for a relationship. And it's also not going to help you down the road at all because lies come out. And also you're kind of setting yourself up for failure if you've not accurately portrayed yourself and your interests and your skills to your potential dominant. You know, uh, going back to that statistic I had in the very beginning, the like, you know, 10 submissive men for every one dominant woman, um, that can sound, if you're a submissive men, man, that can sound really intimidating. Okay. So again, this applies to anybody. You don't have to be, you know, submissive man, you know, femdom. Anybody, when you have statistics like that and they sound scary, keep this in mind. Okay. So if you're in that, you know, you have a one in 10 chance as a submissive man of finding that partner okay well realize that there's a lot of people out there so what we're you know from the conversation we're having today okay a lot of people out there they don't know how to do this you know we're, if you're listening to this hopefully you have a big edge on people right because now you you're learning some skills you know and you're learning the ways to approach people so where this the statistic might be intimidating um a lot of people I'm going to say, quote, competition, although that's not a good way to think about it. But a lot of people are going to take themselves out. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot. They're not going to act appropriately. They're going to act annoying. They're going to send the forum emails. They're going to do all this other stuff, right? Or they're not going to go out. They're not going to just socialize. They're going to come out with an agenda. They're going to accidentally be annoying. They're going to accidentally be objectifying. And so while it's one out of 10 and you have to be in that top 10%, it's not going to be that hard if basically if you can forget about a lot of the crap and just sort of be like, okay, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to not have a goal, you know, and just do a few things, which is like just go out and hang out with people and just trust that I will meet people. Then it's all of a sudden you're suddenly you're in that 10%. And then, like I said, then there's that tipping point. And now instead of having like one, one femdom, you have five femdoms that all think you're a great person and are all interested in you. So that scary statistic, my point is like, don't, yes, it's scary, but don't worry about it. It's actually not that hard to be in that top 10%, which sounds a little crazy or a little egotistical, but I, I don't think it's that hard. And it's like, I love that we're having this conversation because we're going to, I like to think we're going to help those listeners get in that top 10%. No, you're right. There's so many people that do so many bad things, um, like the chain emails, like being too aggressive, like approaching people the wrong way, um, constantly being goal-oriented. If you're constantly goal-oriented and that goal is hard, it's going to be horrible for your self-esteem because you're going to be constantly doing something and most likely you're doing it the wrong way. So you're constantly going to be making your self-esteem worse. And when you make it worse, you're more likely to try worse and worse things instead of basically chilling out and just making general connections, just going out trying to have fun. Because when you radiate fun, people want to be around you. If you're constantly depressed because you're not finding this goal that you've set, you're not going to be as pleasant of a person to be around. You're, you're just not going to put off the right atmosphere around you. So learning how to relax some, learning how to just go out and make general connections will go so much farther than finding a hundred people that you think are amazing and tailoring an email to all hundred people mm -hmm. perfectly based off what your interest you see lining up based off your two profiles, um, making friends and connections are going to go a lot farther. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth pointing out that when Chris and I first started chatting with each other, because I went back and looked at some of our previous communications, it's not like either of us started chatting each other with an exact plan in mind. And just to like use kind of an analogy, because I am Polly, and so hopefully some of you will get this. It's not like either of us were looking at an escalator to hop on. We didn't exactly, you know, start chatting with each other just like, ah, well, you now, you are going to be my submissive. I'm going to color you this week, and we are going to go do this thing exactly perfectly. It wasn't like that. We had to grow together. And seeing kink relationships, I mean, when I look at all of the ones that I've seen that have been successful and have went on for several years, they're ones that met in person. They got to know each other really well. They gradually started playing together, and they eventually reached the point where they cemented it into you know, using a proper title or something like that. And those have been the ones that I've seen be the longest, most successful and happiest. Not that things necessarily have to be, you know, long to be, you know, successful. I mean, if you're with someone for six months and it's, you know, a happy relationship and at the end you're like, well, we've explored everything we want to together and you part amicably, to me, that's a successful relationship, Mm -hmm. which is all the more reason why I think it's important whenever you're trying to chat with someone or, to find your femdom, that you don't have this perfect glowy notion of what you want in mind. Because if you're open to what you might encounter, you might find someone that ends up fitting what you want in a relationship that you didn't necessarily expect before. Thank you, Sam. Let's shift the topic, if you don't mind. I want to go back to Danny's questions that he had in the very beginning. Okay. And I'm going to I've talked to Danny some you know, since this original email and things. So I think he's gotten some feedback. And I think what we have covered is really wonderful information that, you know, like Kimberly was kind of saying earlier, like we've probably covered a lot of the things that the questions that he had, but what I would like to do is go back and go through his email again and kind of talk about each section, because I think some of their parts are in there are maybe not only faulty beliefs, but maybe not as accurate. The, the perspective is not as accurate. And, Again, while Danny may already know this because we've just like talked outside or whatever, it's like other people listening may not know. And so I think it, I think it's a worthwhile bit to talk about. So, uh, so let me start, start over with Danny's email. So he says like, how do I find and ask someone to be a play partner? Which I think we've kind of, I think we've covered that for the most part. Yeah. Um, Then he he says, I'm always worried that I come across as a creep because I know women get a lot of messages from guys, which we talked about. And I always feel like I'd be a bother. I feel that in my vanilla life too. I've always had trouble finding romantic partners and I think my self-esteem is one part of that. What are your gut feelings about that? I wouldn't worry so much about it, like as far as whether or not you come off as a creep because, well, first off, Danny sounds like a really cool person. But even aside from that, if you're not an asshole, people probably aren't going to see you as an asshole. And if they are, then that just means personality differences. Not everyone's going to like you. You just have to accept that and move on with that. And it's not the worst thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. And aside from that, as far as worrying about being a, uh, all right, now I have to pause and recollect my thoughts. <laughs> okay. As far as worrying about being a bother, you're not going to be a bother unless you're purposely like, or accidentally like infringing on people's boundaries, give people space and you're probably not going to be creepy. A lot of the times when you see people that 
have been kind of pegged as being creepy. It's the ones that physically or otherwise do not allow space for the person that they want to meet. So if someone's body language is saying that they want to end the conversation, just say, thank you. It's been nice talking with you today mm -hmm. and find, you know, just walk off and you can always talk with them later. There's no reason to force anything. And other than that, just be yourself. Because again, people are going to like you or they're going to dislike you. But as long as you're making an effort to be kind and respectful, you're probably doing a lot better than you think you are. I, I, I agree. Um, my thought was that, yeah, he says, like, oh, I think I might be a bother. Then he says, I feel this in my vanilla life too. So I'm, I'm like, good, Danny, you're pretty self-aware. And then he says, like, I think my self-esteem, you know, is, is part of it. And I think he's right. I think it's all those things are linked together. What I do want to say is if you go out and like the things I've seen him already start doing of like just have, doing the socializing and being around people. And when you get accepted, you can't just like raise your self-esteem up and just say, I'm just going to think positive thoughts about myself. You know, like that doesn't work. But when you're out at a group and you get accepted and people really like you, your self-esteem is going to like just change on its own. And so I, I think that's the way you address it, you know? And so I do think like, yes, he wrote this and he is very aware of this, which is, is great, you know? And I think too, it's like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's going to change on its own. So yeah, Danny, I want to kind of tell you like, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, it'll just kind of happen. I think that's one of the goal oriented things when, uh, you remove it from being, and I know it's really hard, because uh, I mean, I've been there, like, mm -hmm. tried all the bad things, and almost giving up allowed me to just relax and make conversations and make friends. And then I started realizing I was having much better connections, much better friendships um, in different scenes that way, instead of kind of being goal-oriented. Mm-hmm that's one of the things that will change your self-esteem a lot because it's not so much that you're trying to have something to build your self-esteem up is that you're taking away something that's going to be constantly shooting your self-esteem down. Right. Another thing I think, um, in terms of not coming off as creepy and I know that Danny is not, is not doing this, but just taking no for an answer or realizing, um, like Sam was saying, when people are like kind of ready to not talk to you anymore. Um, but like taking no for an answer is a big thing for me because if I feel pressure from you, like then to me, that's creepy and B, I'm never going to play with you. Um, I had a guy once, which I'm a switch. So I top and I, he wanted to play with me and I was like, well, I only usually top women, which is true. That's just my choice. And he was like, no. Like you have to top men because there's not enough um, top women tops out there. And so therefore you have to. And I was like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But now I might have considered playing with you, even though you identify as male. But now, like, definitely not. Yeah. And that's all the more reason why once you get someone's vet profile name, make a point of actually reading that profile, find out any hard reds they have or anything mm -hmm. that is otherwise in the body of the text as far as how they do or don't like to be addressed. That way you don't reach out to them asking for something that they are definitely not going to give because, you know, nothing says this person is not going to respect my boundaries more than mm -hmm. someone asking for something that you have specifically said in a very public format that you are not mm -hmm. going to do. 
And then that's affecting your self-esteem, right? Because you're inevitably getting a no, a no, a no. And then your self-esteem is spiraling because of that. Mm -hmm. So why even put yourself in that position? Let me read the next section. He says, uh, I, I find that at the mark, most people are most people are already paired up and pickup play doesn't seem to be something many people are comfortable with. I'm going to pause right there. Okay. It's I feel like this is inaccurate. Like I just have to jump on it. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Jump. Uh, yeah. Go Kimberly. I mean, my initial thoughts are, is yes, people are paired up, but m many, many people play with multiple people. And so even if you see someone who is paired up, doesn't mean they won't play with also play with you. And I think pickup play happens more often than you think, but it just kind of looks like, oh, these people like already arranged this scene beforehand or something. And I mean, I personally don't do a lot of pickup play, but I have um, in the past. Um, and I think taking it slow and just meeting somebody and then maybe on a different night trying to do pickup play, because that just because you know somebody already doesn't mean it's not pickup play to me if you're asking them to play that night. Um, that can work out, you know, better for you. And so I feel like that's just an inaccurate statement, um, that just a lot of people, I think have, I have heard them say that, but I don't think it's true. Well, and also if you're worried, well, I will say like some people don't do pickup play and that's for, you know, safety concerns or something like mm -hmm. that. Right. If you want to increase right. your chances of having pickup play, chat with someone, find out what they're interested in. If they've already done a scene that is similar to what you like to do, it's a great conversation starter. Be like, I saw that you did this thing. It was, you know, chat about that scene a little bit and then say that you're into it and say, I actually bought him for this. I would be interested if you're ever, if you would ever like to bottoming for you sometime. Like it, even just giving them like this sometime as opposed to this evening, it puts less pressure on them while also showing that it's someone that you are willing to invest in at least partially in the future, which again, like for safety reasons, it's good to know that it's someone mm -hmm. that's going to come out again. that's going to be around. It's not right. someone that's just showing up that one night. And if I hit them wrong, then, you know, it's going to yeah. be a terrible evening for everyone. Right. Right. I feel like if you're, um, giving somebody the out and giving somebody space there, like you're saying the sometime to say no, um, then that is really important because people are going to feel way more safe with you. You're not pressuring them. And then you're, maybe they never come back and say anything. Well, that's okay. Like <laughs> you're making plus, a comfortable I'm connection to start with. And that helps a lot, whether you pick a play that night or another time. Right. Um, it's that comfortable connection and it's not, people don't feel pressured. If you don't feel pressured, mm -hmm. you feel a lot safer. There's a little bit less risk and everything else because they don't see you necessarily as like a danger or something like that um, or somebody to stay away from that may not respect boundaries and everything. Mm -hmm. All right, let me read the next section. Again, I'm just going to read part of the sentence. I've heard it's looked down on to look for partners in munches. Kind of. Like I said earlier, don't go to munches thinking that it's this giant pool of people to date. You're going to be hit with disappointment pretty hard. Go hoping to make friends, to make connections, and to have people know you. And it's and that's where you're that's probably what's gonna happen first off. 
And then second off, that's probably where you're going to have like the most success. So in this next section, then Sam, I'm going to run right off of that. Okay. So then he says like, it kind of leaves fat life messages and that doesn't feel as personal, which we talked about and probably get lost in the crowd, which we talk about. However, I think if you go to the munch and you've talked once or twice to people in person like that, then when you do that fat life message, then it's mm -hmm. effective because now you're following up, you're having a conversation and I would not do the first fat life message. Would you please give me the enema? I would save that for your third, <laughs> your third fat life message. That's at least third. So, third, yeah. No, I mean, you're third. way down, way, sure. way past. Speaking yeah, of Sam right. late tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I definitely agree. Like one of the things that I did early on in the scene that worked well for me was when you go to a munch and you get to meet someone at the end of the conversation, before everyone heads off, be like, hey, by the way, my name on FET is give your name mm -hmm. and say, uh, may I send you a friend request or and then when you send them the request, don't just send them the request because chances are your picture is something that they're not going to recognize or your name's not something they're going to remember. Some of us are shit at names. We know this. Send them a message with what you talked about and then send their request. Mm -hmm. Right. I know that before COVID, Steve and I would meet so many people on any given night. And then maybe the re friend request or the message is like so much later and then we're like wait who is this person and you'll and we'll be like okay we have to try to figure it out literally like who is friend requesting us <laughs> but we just meet so many people but if you drop that message like you're saying sam and you say we talked about this i'll be like oh i know exactly who you are yeah plus some of us have a hard rule like i have in my profile do not send me a blind friend request i need to know what mm -hmm. you talked about in order to place the face so if you send me just a random request, then I'm just going to mm -hmm. deny it out of hand. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the FET, just a summary, the FET life messages, if you're doing it in the beginning, you haven't made any connection, they're not necessarily effective. But it, like, do like Kimberly, you know, she sent me that message after we kind of met, after I had spanked her. But then, then you're getting into a, a little conversation. And I, I want to add this too. It's like, what is flirting? You know, and flirting as we discussed on past podcasts, flirting is where you're deciding to like admit to somebody that you're, you're to show some interest in them. Like I'm admitting to Kimberly that I kind of like her. And then you it could be the compliment. Here's what I like about you, Kimberly. But flirting is like admitting that you're interested in the person. So up to this point, you might not have admitted anything. That FET message can really be the start of the quote flirting where you're like, Hey, I really enjoyed, you know, talking at the munch and you know, whatever launch into something but then you're starting a little bit of a conversation and that really is the start of flirting which can lead you to that time when it's right to ask for like hey are you interested in playing and yeah plus it's good to have in between when you get to meet in person it's yeah. a good way of maintaining contact and it also might be something that people feel more comfortable with than say giving out their phone number or you know something like that and so it can be a good bridge I just wouldn't necessarily expect to have success from starting out there unless right. someone has specifically sent out a personal. If someone posts a personal, then you might have luck with it. Although I will also mm -hmm. say as my big caveat, as far as successful relationships I've seen, they tend to not start out that way. Those tend to be people that are more interested in something that's very casual. And so if that's mm -hmm. not your jam, then that might not be the best thing to reply to. Mm -hmm. 
right, so next, Danny says, I found a few play partners through the Discord group, but they both ghosted me, one of no. them without ever playing with me. That makes mm -hmm. me wonder if I'm doing something wrong because they don't tell me that they feel uncomfortable or have changed their mind, but instead just re stop responding out of the blue. Thoughts? People ghost because it's easy, which is kind of a terrible, but... I agree, but... There's also different reasons for ghosting. Uh, I think Sam and I, we kind of like mentioned this before. Um, people are busy. Like you can't expect somebody just because you sent them a message to be able to send you a message right away. Maybe they're taking a week or two off of FET for, for personal reasons. You don't know what else is going on in their life. Um, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to just be FET. It could be any dating app. Um, they could have stepped away for a minute. They could have personal things. Um, I, I work on calls. So uh, I may work 48 hours and shut down for a few days forget to look at FET for a few more days by that time, like, you know, 12, 15 days has gone by and I may not have remembered to respond. And people may not always, whenever there's something like that happens, they may not always be like, Oh, well now if I send a message back, it's been too late. If I send a message back, like, what are they going to think? And no matter, like a lot of times if you do send a message back, sometimes it's not responding because the other person's like, Oh, well, you spent 15 days and kind of send me a message back. I'm not responding back to you. So, it's kind of a vicious cycle with ghosting and you don't really know why it happened. It's not always you. Um, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know I, I probably life. sounded overly cynical by saying that people do it because it's easy, which is true. Like they do, but it doesn't mean that they're doing it for malicious reasons or because they're throwing you away. Like a really fine example is I used to work at a job that sometimes had me working 60 hour, you know, work weeks. And so whenever I reached the end of the week, I would be exhausted. So I started trying to reach out and to date someone during this time. And then I hit a really, really busy period of work. And by the time that I realized that I hadn't touched back with her about another date, it had been something like two weeks. And I'll fully admit it. I was embarrassed. I felt really bad for not touching back with her. And so what do you do at that point? It's, I will admit this was a couple of years ago. I did end up ghosting her and I still feel bad about that. And a part of that is because it was, again, it was my embarrassment because at that point I felt like me reaching out and being like, oh, well, you know, I don't think that we're going to have another date or something like that. It felt like I would just be taking the knife and twisting it. And so it may be that the person thinks that they're doing you a kindness, which whether or not it is, I mean, that's always up for debate. But all that to be said is, you don't know why their dog might have died and therefore they're not doing any sort of social interaction. They might be out of town visiting family for you know a month or something like that. You have no idea why they've ghosted you. They might just be like, you know, I was back then and just be horribly embarrassed that they haven't touched back by then. So I would argue that if someone does ghost you once, give them a bit of grace. And the next time you run into them, just, you know, say, Hey, it's good to see you again. And if they act awkward or something like that, you know, just, you know, you don't have to continue the conversation. And, but who knows? It might be that they just say, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I had to go out of town for a month because my dad died or something like that. And then, you know, you have your reason there. But I will say if someone goes to you more than once, then, well, eh, you don't owe them any grace after that. <laughs> Mm 
Sam, I actually gave Danny that that same advice. I said, like, the person, like, he asked, like, what do I do if I see the person out? You know, and I said, you don't have to do anything. That they, if they ghosted you, they probably feel bad about it, you know, because, like, you're yeah, saying, probably. I agree. It's the taking the easy way out, right? But then yeah. we all kind of know, like, oh, well, that wasn't the nice thing to do. The nice thing to do would be to respond back and tell them all the things, the reasons why, blah, blah, and that takes a lot of effort. And it could be awkward conversation, right? So the easy thing to do is to do nothing. Well, when we do nothing, that sometimes then it's like we're aware of that, like you said, and I love that you said it, that you were like, I felt guilty about ghosting this person. So I, I had said this. Did you? I, I felt it. like an asshole. Like I'll fully <laughs> own it. I felt like yeah. an asshole. And that's yeah. part of the thing is at, at that point for me, it was like, which of, which thing is more of an asshole thing to do? you know, contacting them again and saying, you know, I, I don't have time for dating right now, um, which was very much the truth. Like they were a great person. I just didn't have time for dating when I already haven't contacted them for two weeks. At that point, they figured it out. Like, mm -hmm. and, but at the same time, it's like, I know that I should have said something earlier. So either way, like I'm being an asshole and, you know, I would hope that if they saw me again, that they would, you know, at least not throw things at my head, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, ghosting is never a nice thing to do. It really isn't. I'm really sorry that it happened to you, Danny, especially more than once. Um, but that's my best advice is if you see someone in person that has done it, just, you know, say a casual, Hey, if you have a space for an opening or don't do it at all, if they're nowhere near you. And if you do decide to give them another chance and they do it to you again, then well, they've had two chances with you and they don't deserve any more, but that's my personal opinion. And I think he's going to look attractive if he gives them the break. Hey, you ghosted me. I'm not going to treat, I'm not going to hold it against you. Like then. Yeah, because you don't know why they did it. Yeah. You really I mean, don't. It's a strong, attractive attitude. Like I'm giving you forgiveness. I'm not going to hold it against you. Those are attractive attitudes or attractive traits. Because they may actually be a great person, but it feels like any of the reasons we've mentioned and they felt horrible. If you just kind of let it roll off and you don't even like really acknowledge it then you still possibly have a second chance. Like if they were actually interested in you, but you know, life slipped away for a few weeks and they're like, shit, I didn't message this person, but they're still really cool. Now they feel like, you know, terrible, intimidating and everything else. But if you just make it like no big deal, um, and then if you, you know, you could carry on a great conversation of that much later on, mm. but, you know, that's again, if they, you know, if they do it again, though, <laughs> they had their shot. You do have to realize you have self-worth. You have something to offer. You have to realize what you have to offer a person too. It's and not your time is valuable too. Yes. Like that time spent waiting for an answer is time that you could have invested in building a relationship with someone else or just playing a fucking video game or it's just whatever. I mean, your time is valuable too. So anyway. Uh, then the last portion here. Danny says he talks about like the safety, you know, I want the person to feel safe. You guys are like, um, like, Oh, don't say that. That makes, you know what I'm going to, I want to say this though. When he, when I read it, I thought that's awesome. Okay. In the sense that it's showing that he's aware that the other, that I need, when I'm talking to so-and-so, I need them to be able to feel safe. And a lot of people, especially guys are not aware of that. We don't. We kind of come in and we just push our way in and say, I would like the enema, please. And 
So <laughs> actually acknowledging that like I need Sam to feel safe about the enema, that's important. So when, you know, just Danny saying that when I read it, I thought that's actually a good sign that you're, you know, that you're aware of this because that is something that I think you want to always kind of keep in mind. Where he then goes, though, this is the, to kind of end up his email. He's saying, like, I'm always wondering if it's my body that they're not attracted to. My feeling is like, man, just always forget that. Like, that is not you. I want to hear what you all say. My gut feeling is like looks might get your foot in the front door. OK, but if you are beautiful and have a shit attitude nobody wants to fucking be around you you know so that the person's personality and who you are as a person who the femdom is as a person is way more important than the looks and you know anything else of it so like we if we don't have the best body like i get that you know but but just realize the other aspects that make you attractive are going to way outweigh any looks issues, especially if you're taking the time to like let the person get to know you, if you're taking the time to get to know the femdom person and who who they are. Yeah, it's like, I don't care how pretty you are. If you don't respect me and respect my time, then fuck you, you're gone. Yeah, like, fuck you. No, seriously, like I'm, yeah, I have no. no patience for that shit. Like give me, right. it is significantly less important to me than other things. Like it may get me talking to you because like your face is shiny and brilliant and amazing. But, you know, once you open your mouth and I realize that you're a crummy human being, I'm not going to want to be around you. So and also I find a lot of the times that people tend to underestimate themselves and their attractiveness. You don't know what I find attractive. I might find you super hot and you might find yourself, you know, really ugly. But, you know, I'll just call you wrong and then I'll continue telling you that I'm attracted to you. So I would, <laughs> you know be kind to yourself and yeah. to not stress it. And again, to focus on the things that you feel more secure in about yourself and to, yeah, just focus on those and market those. If you truly don't feel comfortable with the way that you look, then all the more reason to make sure that everyone knows that you're the nice person that volunteers a lot, that you're the one that's always willing to cook whenever your friends have a get together, you know, stuff like that, because that's, things that'll say a lot more about you as a person than your bone structure will. Yeah. And on the, uh, I was going to say on the part about uh, letting women uh, know that they don't owe anything, like they already know some of that. So if you spend too long trying to in an email or a message or whatever, harping on some of those things, you might end up doing the exact opposite and be like, why are they harping on this? Like, it can almost send off the wrong message if you harp on trying to act like you're the good guy too much. And being the good guy isn't about that. You know, it's about showing uh, the person that they're trustworthy and that they don't owe anything. And one of the things about like about not owing anything is like don't send up like four or five follow up messages. Hey, did you see my message? Hey, uh, I just want to see if you had a chance to respond or look at what I sent or something like that. That's no. Don't do that. If if they haven't responded once or twice, like you may send like one follow up message later on or something like that. Like if they're because people get busy. But after that, like if they're not responding, it's because they're either too busy for you or they just don't want to. So continuing on with them, that information and sending messages is going to be sending the wrong the wrong message. In the wrong yeah. Way. Like I notice language choice and actions more than what is actually said. So if someone says, you know, I, how did he put it exactly? It's like, 
you don't owe me anything. I want to make sure you feel safe. It's really, really easy to say that, you know, but if you say something along the lines of, I would like for you to play some time, I'm happy to do so in a public space if that's what makes you most comfortable. I hope to hear from you. All of that gives me, you know, that says a couple of things to me. It says that you're giving me leeway to uh, address you whenever I feel like it so that you're not like forcing yourself on me or acting like I owe you something. You're not um, trying to set the stage that I have to do things in a way that you want. And you're also addressing my safety because you're saying that you're happy to meet with me in a public place. And like Chris said, don't send five follow-up emails about it. Like if I, you can see past conversations on FetLife. If I go and I pull up my past messages with you and find that you've sent me the same one every six months, then I'm probably not going to want to do much of anything with you Mm -hmm. because you've already shown that you've taken my silent no, because if I don't respond to you, the answer is no. And you did not want to take that. And therefore you wanted to keep pressing yourself on me. And that's a massive red flag. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so Sam and Chris, do uh, you guys want to summarize all this that we've said? Like, what are the main points that listeners should remember for the whole topic that we discussed? Everything. I'll go first and then see if like Chris can add anything to it. But as far as meeting someone, find a way to meet in person. Don't go into it with the goal of, I am going to find my perfect femdom. Understand that you're meeting a person and that that person may or may not fit in with everything that you expect, but you're not going to find someone that melds well with you unless you meet them in person. And that's going to be important for a lot of us too, also in regards to safety. We're probably not going to want to come to your house the first time, find ways to meet us in public and to show that you are someone that is worth maintaining a private relationship with. And be confident about yourself. You really do have more about you to offer than you think you do. Build the skills if you're really concerned about it and be willing to show those off. And just, and that's another thing, show that you have more to offer than other people do. It's really not that hard to find random people that shoot us messages all the time saying, hey, I want to orally please you, or hey, will you have sex with me in front of my wife? These happen all the time. You got to show me that you have something that is worth me actually having a relationship in you and investing the mental energy and emotion that it takes to have a lasting femdom relationship. And you do that by showing that you have respect for me as a person and that you take the time to know me as a person in my interests so that we can grow together as a couple. Chris, you want to add? Yeah, you... Sam kind of touched on it. You really are selling yourself. If all you have to offer is I'm willing to submit and I want to orally please you, like that's not going to work. Like you've got to focus on yourself a little bit. You've got to have something to offer and you probably do. You just have to find what that is. Uh, Like Sam pointed out, there's so many different things that you may do. Like you may be in culinary school, realize how many people this today, like would appreciate somebody that can cook amazing for them. Um, so there's lots of different ways of showing that you have more to offer than just the, I want to please you. Um, cause that's, that's just not really going to work. Um, don't be constantly goal oriented. Don't be going out every time you're going out as having an objective 
don't treat every person that you uh, that piques your interest as an object or something to a goal to go after. Um, people are humans. Treat them as such. Um, build relationships. Um, there's not a perfect or a really good or even halfway decent uh, dating app for the kink world. It sucks bad enough if you're super vanilla and you just like long walks on the beach. Uh, you had in all the complexities of this world and it makes it harder. So it that's where some of your other back to basics, like trying to make friends, like going out to munches. And those are some of the things that show people that you're not a threat, that you're gonna be in the community, that you're gonna be coming back out. Like if people have seen you four or five times, they're gonna to expect to see you a few more times after that. And so that kind of just that presence alone will put people a little bit at ease to want to play with you, to want to talk to you and stuff like that. And there's one last thing that I would like to add, which is that we talk a lot about safety. And I don't think that it's always very apparent that femdoms do put themselves at risk when they play privately with you. And in general, putting ourselves out there puts us at risk. That's something that lady folk in general have to worry very much about is just their personal safety. And so a good way of keeping, of making sure that we feel more safe is to be authentic and to be honest, because not only is it going to make us feel more safe, but it's also going to set the stage for, you know, more positive relationship in the future, because you have that sturdy foundation of honesty with each other which is so fundamental to having a good, healthy kink dynamic and making sure that neither person ends up getting hurt. That's great. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, everybody. So if you want to, if you're on fat life, uh, and Sam and Chris, if you want to reach out to them, Sam, you are Varsler on fat life, which is V A R S L E R. Chris, Chris is kinky vagabond, just as it sounds and spells all one word on, on fat life. Yeah. So Sam and Chris, thank you very much. Um, everybody, if you are a first time listener and you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to subscribe for future ones. We release one every single Friday. Uh, if you're on Apple podcasts, you would do us a huge favor if you didn't mind writing a short review because Apple cares a lot about those reviews that helps with the rate, the ratings and the rankings. And so more, you know, reviews, positive reviews we get that actually helps us kind of go up in their, in their rankings. So if you're on Apple, that would be a huge favor. If, you know, nobody has to, but we'd love it if you did. So thank you. You can also check us out. We have a website, ethicalseduction.com. We're also on FetLife and Instagram and Pinterest as Ethical Seduction. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, just like we did with Danny's today, if you want a whole episode based around your question, you know, we might be able to do that like we did for Danny. You can email something to me at steven at ethical seduction. Uh, and if you go to the website, we also have a voicemail button. So you just click on that. You can leave us a short voicemail and we can even use that on the air if you'd like. So, you know, thank you, Danny, for writing in and starting this whole thing. I appreciate that. And thank you, Sam and Chris, for joining us today. You guys were wonderful. I enjoyed meeting you the other day at the club for the first time. And this is, you know, just this has been a great follow up and I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. This was fun. Kimberly, thank you Great, too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, thanks. And we will talk again next week.